is a Woodside Church podcast. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him, and from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Every cloud has a silver lining. This is a saying that we've all heard, but although this isn't a proverb from the Bible, I think ultimately when things are said and done, there is some truth in this as Christians. The proverb means that in every difficult and sad situation, there is a comforting or more more hopeful aspect to that situation, even though this may not be immediately apparent. Every cloud has a silver lining. For us as Christians, the silver lining is faith. Because we believe that God's kingdom will break through those dark clouds of sin and suffering and produce something beautiful, something good, something lasting, it's our blessed hope. Romans 8 verse 28 puts it like this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Today we continue our our Christmas series. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our King, and our hope for the future. Two weeks ago we looked at the sound of comfort. Last week we looked at the sound of promise. And this week we're going to look at the sound of song. The song that's just been read out... Is read out, but that was actually a song. It's called the Magnificat, and it was sung by Mary to Elizabeth as she meets her. But I need to put some context into this song. There are two angel visitations 
in Luke's Gospel, first chapter. They're both by the angel Gabriel. One is to Zechariah, who is a priest who serves in the temple. And the other one was to Mary, the mother of Jesus. The first appearance took place when Zechariah drew the short lot and it was his turn to go into the temple. And he went into the temple and to burn incense and there he met the angel Gabriel. And the angel Gabriel had some incredible things to say to him. He was told that his wife, Elizabeth, was going to be having a son. And he was to call that son John, John the Baptist as we know him. That this John the Baptist was going to be an incredible man of God. He was going to work in the spirit of Elijah. He was going to turn men's men back to God. And he was going to prepare the way for the Lord. Incredible prophetic word over his life. The problem is Zechariah didn't believe Angel Gabriel, even though Angel Gabriel stood in the, in the presence of God and was sent to bring that message. He cited that he was too old and that his wife was too old. So how could it be? Angel Gabriel was not happy and closed his mouth until the birth of John the Baptist. That was the first visitation. The second visitation took place six months later when the angel Gabriel appeared before Mary. She was engaged, as we know from the Christmas story, to be married to Joseph, the descendant of King David. And he said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. He then told her that she was going to conceive, even though she was a virgin, and that she was going to be giving birth to the Son of the Holy God. That he was going to be, live on the throne of King David for eternity, not just five minutes, for eternity. A kingdom that would never end. It was an incredible prophetic prophecy, again. But the difference was Mary believed it. He also, Gabriel also told Mary that uh, Elizabeth was pregnant. So, after this meeting, a couple of days later, Mary travelled to Judah and she met with Elizabeth. As Mary greeted Elizabeth, Elizabeth's child leaped inside her and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth told Mary that she was blessed because she believed the Lord would do what he said he was going to do. And then Mary responds with a song, the Magnificat, that we just had read to us. Phenomenal song. So what can we learn this morning about this song? What can we learn? So Mary was between the ages of 12 and 16. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. Her future was mapped out for her by her parents. And now she's told by an angel from a message from God that she was going to give birth to a baby, even though she was a virgin. You, we know the, 
the Christmas theme, and it's all very romantic, isn't it? It's lovely lights, and you've got the like, shepherds visiting in the manger, and we've all seen it, haven't we? But you know what? Let's just look at the reality of this situation. Next to no one was going to believe her when she told them that she'd been impregnated by God. Think about it. She was going to be humiliated. She was going to be judged by her community for infidelity. As a, bro- as a baby grew inside her, she would be subject to scorn, ridicule, and in places probably hate. Her family would be cut off from the community. Joseph would be devastated, believing that Mary had slept with another man. The shame of it. It would be a massive understatement to say that this was not a good situation for Mary and her family. The clouds over Mary and her family were extremely dark. Mary, though, was full of faith, believing the angel and trusting in God for what he had planned. An incredible prophetic word over her life and over the life of her son. The silver light was shining through the dark clouds. The silver lining for the clouds for Mary was that she was going to give birth to a son and he was, be, he was going to be given the throne of her ancestor, King David, and he will be called the son of the most high God, and that his kingdom would reign for eternity, and that generations would call her blessed. We all know that's true. All these generations later, blessed Mary. Isn't it amazing when you think about it? But she was going to endure pain, and she was going to be condemned by her friends and her community. The first words to Elizabeth, the first words she said to Elizabeth when she met her were, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in my Saviour. What a response given the circumstances that she was actually in. Mary was full of faith, excited about what God was going to do, and excited about the way he was going to work all things together from good. You know what, this morning we got a glimpse of that, didn't we? For the prophetic. We got a glimpse of that. that God is doing a mighty thing amongst us. I don't know about you, but I felt excited. I still felt excited. In fact, there's goosebumps going through my body. Because God's on the move. Chapters 11 of Hebrew, verse 6, says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Somebody else quoted that this morning, I believe. It's true. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Are you currently going through a difficult time? Rest assured that God has plans and purposes for the advancement of his kingdom through you. And we need to trust him and we need to exercise faith if this is you, there's a team of people who would love to pray with you afterwards to help you through this. Another question is, how are we exercising faith in our lives individually at the moment? Has God spoken to you about something that he wants you to do? Are you stepping out 
into all God has called you to do. It takes courage. It takes boldness. And I know we spoke about that briefly last Sunday. It may seem foolish to others. It may look irresponsible. It may look impossible. It may cause you initial pain, but God wants to use us for his kingdom work and blessings will flow as we walk along the path that he has set for us. Amen. Amen. The Bible is full of stories of faith. Noah, who built the ark on, on dry land, it would have weighed tons, that ark. It wasn't going anywhere unless there was a miracle. But God provided the miracle, and the rest is history. One of my personal stories of faith is I used to work for the King's Arms Project, and I absolutely loved that job. Someone came up to me and said, Richard, will you ever leave the King's Arms Project? And I said, nah. God will have to shout in my ear for me to leave this job because I love it so much. A few months, maybe a year later, at three o'clock in the morning, God woke me up and told me that he was moving me. It was like so clear that this is what he was doing that even though the King's Arms offered me a pay rise to keep me there, I was going to be doing less hours, earning less money coming here. I knew that I had no option because God had a plan for my life. And God has blessed me since I've been here amazingly well. I want to give you another story. It's really interesting because we've been talk we're talking about births of sons. When Gaynor and I were married, when we first got married, we were pretty broke. I was in the RAF, a policeman in the RAF. We'd just got a mortgage. We'd been married a year. Luke had been born. We were skint. We didn't have a penny to rub together, literally. And uh, Gaynor went for a job interview. She went for a job interview, and she got a job. And she came back, and she said, got some great news. I've got a job. I'm like, yes. At long last, we're not going to be <laughs> broke. We'll be able to actually buy some food. Because we literally couldn't buy any food. Gaynor was eating baby food. I didn't even know, because we couldn't afford to buy food. And she went down to a ridiculous way. But that, that's what happened. We didn't have any money. And I was so upset. Oh, no, that, she, that, oh, she got a job, right? That was that. Then she came home about two days later and said to me, Richard, I, I, we need to chat. I said, well, what's that then? And she goes, I'm pregnant. I was like... No! <laughs> now, I know it takes two to tango, by the way. <laughs> but I was actually devastated because everything, all of my hopes would be fine. I'm now thinking, oh my word, gainers can't go to work. No, we're going to be broke, broke, broke. And so I went upstairs and I did the right thing. I'm mean, praise the Lord, I did the right thing. I went upstairs and I prayed. And as I was praying, how many of you can remember Star Trek Enterprise, the original series, when you've got this little Enterprise coming towards you, coming towards you, and eventually you see it's this huge spaceship and it flies off. Well, I had a vision which wasn't dissimilar to that, except for, <laughs> except for it, was a, it was a name. 
And I looked, and this tiny little thing, and I was looking, what, what's that? And it's just coming nearer and nearer and nearer and nearer until I could read it. And it said, N-A-T-H-A-N, Nathan. Now, 40, 35 years ago, Nathan wasn't a name that I'd even heard of. It wasn't used. There was just no one with that name. And I went away and thought, what on earth does that mean? And I got a book and I looked it up and it meant gift from God. And at that moment, all that feeling, pent up feeling of frustration evaporated. And I knew that God had a gift for us. And he's good. He's a good God. Amen. Amen. So maybe God is speaking to you at the moment. Step out in faith like Mary. Trust him to be your good shepherd. If that is the case, where that's where you're at, we'd love to pray with you also at the end of this service. Now, I think it's really fascinating, this next chapter, this next paragraph's in here, because of what we saw this morning was exactly what I want to promote here, right here, right now. And that is, there are so many people in this room who are prophetic. And we need to hear from you. We need our prophetic people to step up and to boldly step out and talk to us and tell us what God is saying. It is so important. It help us to navigate challenges, navigate situations, bring about repentance, warn us, advise us, build faith, direct us, bring comfort, send his people, and so much more. Prophetic people, we need you. And we had a glimpse of that this morning, didn't we? Thank you for all you people who came up this morning and brought God's word. It was powerful. And we're getting used to it now. The more and more and more. So please, please, please step out. Every cloud has a silver lining. Mary was a woman of humility. In the, in the, the verse we had read out, the song we had read out, it said, the humble are exalted. Mary praises God for noticing the lowly and exalting the humble. God sees things so differently than we do. His word, his world, is an upside-down world compared to our world. Humility isn't something that is culturally respected, but rather something that is seen as a weakness in our society. The rich and famous, they get put on a pedestal, they get worshipped, Accomplishments that they've done, external accomplishments, education, physical appearance, and status are all praised. But that is not the biblical position. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There is no definition of humility in the Bible, but there are great examples of where people from the Bible have exercised humility. Humility means that we don't boast about our accomplishments and our abilities. Everything we have is God's 
and he has brought it about, not us. We are all in need of God's grace for our lives. We are dependent on him. Jesus' life is a perfect and only example of perfect, true humility. He gave up everything for us. Philippians 2 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took on the position of a humble slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the place of the highest honour and gave him the name that is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in what ways can we, like Mary, exercise humility in our lives? By admitting that we do not know everything. That we don't have a monopoly of the truth. And admitting that we've made mistakes. That is so important. By not focusing on ourselves, but thinking and being considerate towards others. By recognising that our characters have massive shortcomings. And they do. <clears throat> and by being grateful and not boastful. We're to be imitators of Christ, asking the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. I know I say that a lot, but it's because I firmly, firmly believe it, that the Holy Spirit is the answer to change character, and we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we can ask for that. Galatians 5.22 says the Spirit produces in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is what we need in our lives. Every cloud has a silver lining. He fills the hungry with good things. I was chatting to my brother-in-law a couple of years ago, and he goes over to India. He represents an organization called ASHA, and he goes to Delhi, into the slums of Delhi. And one of the things he says to me is that the people, the families and the children within that community, that slum community, as he calls it, are the happiest people that he knows. And yet they do not have anything. Nothing at all. As we see the nation, this nation, the cost of living sparring out of control, we need to know that good things aren't always material things. God gives us good things. And I'm so, much, so thankful for so much in my life. Many of the things that I am thankful for were absolutely free. 
And sometimes I need to process this because the world tries to say something different to us which can lead us to feel frustrated and dissatisfied with our lives. But Psalm 23 has some answers for us. I love this psalm. Absolutely love it. And it says that we have God leading our lives, that he is the good shepherd of our lives. That's almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who designed us, who made us, who spoke the word into our existence. We have him leading our lives. He is the source of all that we actually need. Not a car, not a house, not a career, not a big Christmas present. (laughs) He is the source of what we actually need. All of what we actually need. He lets us rest in green pastures of our lives so that we are able to be physically and mentally able to deal with our busy and difficult time lifetimes, which we will all have. He takes us to those places because he cares about us, because he is for us. He takes us to places where we can find peace and wholeness. How many people, multi-millionaires, have, haven't got peace and wholeness in their lives? But you know what? Is Jesus. We have that. We have that. An inner peace. He builds back strength into our tired bodies and souls. He guides us along the right paths. You think about that. All the different bad paths that we, go, we could go down. But he guides us to the right paths so that we don't get lost and we don't get confused. His paths are the paths which bring honour to his name, not our name. Even when things are dark and dangerous, those dark clouds that we've spoken about, he is there with us, close beside us, so that there is no need to be afraid. He promises to protect and comfort us through all of life's dark times. He has a vast feast available for us and he will pour out his spirit on us and his blessings will overflow in our lives and through our lives to the point the more than we actually need. That's how generous he is. His goodness and unfailing grace-filled love will continue to chase And follow us all the days of our lives. And to cap it all, we will get to live with him in paradise forever. We have so much to be thankful for and grateful for in our lives. And if you're struggling on this issue, then try writing down everything that God has done for you. And everything that he hasn't done for you. And you'll get a perspective of God's goodness. Every cloud has a silver lining. Born into sin and saved by grace. Mary's song has the words, How my spirit rejoices in God my saviour. 
Mary knew her own need for a saviour. Without God, each and every one of us is lost. As we approach Christmas, we remember that we have a saviour. His name is Jesus, and he literally came to save or rescue us from the consequences of our sin, the things that we have done wrong. He was born in a manger, in a humble setting, to a poor family. He came into the world with nought, nothing. But he was and is the son of the Most High God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. His kingdom will last for eternity. Isaiah prophesied about the coming Jesus decades before Jesus arrived. And he said this, But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. The sins of the world were laid on him, although he had done nothing wrong. He was unjustly condemned, but killed like a criminal because of our sin. And because of this, his life was presented to God as a sin offering so that many would be counted as righteous without sin before God. What a wonderful gift we celebrate this coming Christmas. As we can also worship like Mary did as we celebrate the birth of a son, Jesus, her son. Thank you, Father, for the birth death and resurrection of Jesus we now have the sound of hope for the future we can have a response time after that we've closed the service down and if anybody wants to come forward we'd love to pray with you a group of us would love to pray for anyone here who has not yet stepped out into in faith in what God has called them to do. Maybe through fear, maybe whatever, whatever reason, we'd love to pray with you. Anyone here going through a difficult time at the moment, we'd love to pray with you too. Anyone here who does not know Jesus yet as their king and saviour, we'd love to chat with you. And anybody else who wants prayer for any other reason, any healing, whatever it is, we'd love to pray with you. So, I just want to just end in prayer here. So, Father in heaven, we just thank you that you are a wonderful God. We thank you that you sent Jesus. We thank you that you speak to us today, that this isn't something from the Old Testament. This is something that you do today and you have done today in this service. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are alive and kicking that you are in our lives, that you are changing us, you are shaping us, and you are speaking to us. Help us to have ears to hear. Help us to have boldness, be courageous, to step out in faith, to follow you in whatever it is you have called us to do. We thank you that you have purposes for Bedford, like we've heard today. Thank you that you care about each and every person in each and every street in Bedford. 
We, we thank you that you care about every single person from every culture, from every nation, that you love them, that you died for them, that you, have, that you want to know them and you want them to know you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for each and every town in this country. Holy Spirit, we need a movement here. We want to see it. We want to see people saved. We want to see the churches, whatever they look like, in whatever form they are, filled with your people, your sons and your daughters. So we lift up. Jesus, we lift you up. Come and have your way with us. Use us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.